In part one of our men's friendship episode, we met several men who shared their experience with platonic relationships. We heard from poets, writers, mental health experts who told us all the same thing. Men are reporting having fewer friendships than they had just 30 years ago. And the friendships they do have sometimes fail to offer a safe space for them to share a need for emotional support. While we spent most of that episode examining the problem and asking ourselves why this is happening, This episode will focus on what we can actually do about it. It felt nice to remove myself from a seat of authority in these conversations to one of student, listening to and learning from the men we welcomed to the table. But there was also one woman I wanted to hear from because of her unique vantage point in this conversation. Melanie Hamlet is a journalist who's written for Glamour, Cosmopolitan Magazine, and Washington Post, but it's her viral article for Harper's Bazaar that lit me up. The article from 2019 is titled, Men Have No Friends and Women Bear the Burden. It's about how we often carry the weight and emotional labor for the men in our lives, either due to their lack of ability to or willingness to go elsewhere and seek support outside of the container of their romantic relationships. And it also digs into the consequences of this tendency. We'll get into her findings and the many implications of this a little later, but first, Here's Melanie sharing with us her own experience of her relationships with men, which led to this observation. I was kind of a tomboy growing up and really I've always loved hanging out with men and enjoyed their company. And yet, because of all of the parts of the system, you know, patriarchy and all that stuff, there's also this weird thing that plays out where I I started like holding a space for their emotions, but they didn't hold it for mine. You know, I showed up for them, but they're not raised to nurture, check in on each other or us. When I was injured, all these women showed up bringing me soup, checking it, going to the pharmacy to get my meds, all of it. And the guys didn't even send a text. I've been wanting to write about this for a long time. But when I finally had that perspective of looking back and being like, whoa, I I basically said, it's ironic that they're calling us gold diggers because we don't even need their money anymore. And they also don't provide any, not anything, but they don't (laughs) provide much. They just take, they take and take and take. Because that's the system. That's how they were socialized. I mean, the women I interviewed were like, by the time they were my parents' age, the women were waiting for their husbands to die so they could go have fun. Isn't that sad? One of the ladies literally said, oh, yeah, all my mom's friends, when one of their husbands died, they're like, woo! And two weeks later, they're on a cruise with all their girlfriends. And it's like, I don't want that. We know from facts, women are the one who initiate most divorces. So they should be worried what happens when she leaves you, not if. If you put too much on her, she's going to snap. She's going to snap. And then you have nothing. I'm not like, oh, I hate men. No, I love men. That's why I'm doing this. Melanie's article caused waves, apparently. She got lots of emails and feedback from both men and women alike who say that it really resonated with them. It was wild the day this thing came out. And the title is, you know, Men Have No Friends and Women Bear the Burden. When my editor told me the title, I was like, oh my God, you can't call it that. They're going to roast me. And I was like, can't you just say some men don't have? She was like, Melanie, (laughs) we're not going to like use kid gloves here. We need to be bold. Have some courage. This is a serious problem. And so I knew women would read this and feel seen and heard, but I had no idea how many men would write to me and say that it changed their life, that they either started men's groups or knew that they need to do something or like their wife gave them that article and then they realized they're going to lose their wife. 
if they don't start showing up. The reality of this consequence of men not having strong friendships was not lost on the men that I interviewed either, many of whom had seen this dynamic played out in real-life situations where men were leaning too much on their wife, the burden was too large, and the consequences were really impactful on their partnership. Drew Newkirk shared with me that friendship issues are often at the root of many of the other issues that men come to him with. Whatever issue they're coming with, what ends up happening as part of my intervention has to be friendship. So if they're trying to find a relationship with a woman, if they're getting out of a relationship with a woman, I am instantly looking to see what kind of base they have and foundation they have to go into a relationship in a healthy way or to come out of one in a healthy way. And often I'm finding that it's really, really sparse, their relationships outside of those in friendship. And so they really have a tough time transitioning because there is this real strong tie to the relationship because they don't have as much else to rely on, to lean back on. If a man is getting more and more isolated and his significant other is getting more and more frustrated, her teaching him is not likely the answer. But her living her own life, not to shame him, but saying, you have this opportunity. We've talked about it a number of times. I've shared with you my concern. And you still are not going to push into or lean into relationship. And so you're putting the stress on our relationship here because you're not spending time out there. The consequences is now I have to go and get some of my needs met somewhere else, or I have to create some distance so that the pressure you're putting on me to serve this need of yours for vulnerability and relationships get rocky. If a woman is less happy in a relationship than her partner, divorce is infinitely more likely. A woman at some point will take into account her happiness level, and this will push her to big decisions faster than a man inside a romantic relationship. In addition to men having strong friendships, lightening the load for the romantic partners, it also benefits the relationships by giving the men some outward space to reflect, to gain some counsel and some advice on things that come up for them in relationship. I personally had this experience so many times. I've had an issue with my husband, and then after airing it with my girlfriends, to some degree, they may share a perspective that makes me feel a little differently about the situation, or they might just lend an understanding ear, which takes the heat out of the issue for me. And this is something that men might be lacking, having yet more negative consequences for those romantic relationships. Consensus taking is something men don't take into account with friendship, but it's huge because we need to get a multitude of voices looking at certain issues in our life. If we only have one or two, we're kind of screwed because they might totally be biased at some level. So what can we do about it? Each of the men I spoke with had some valuable advice on this matter. So men, if you're listening, take note. So the best thing that I could say as far as my experiences is there has to be, I think, an open-mindedness of who can be your friend. But I think also there has to be a willingness to go to places where you know that other men won't go. Like if you really want a deeper friendship, there has to be a willingness to kind of push that boundary. Again, even with like my old school friends, you know, there's still places in there where I'm like, okay, how can I bring vulnerability to the table? I think for men, you really have to open your own doors. We tend to close ourselves off 
especially once a man gets into the rhythm in life, right? Like, oh, I found who I am in my career. I know what I'm good at. I know what gets me ahead in life. I know what's successful. We tend to close our doors to anything else outside of that because we don't want to jeopardize our mindset and our focus and our path. You know, you have to do a lot of intentional work. There's muddiness in dealing with relationships in an authentic, vulnerable way. And that you have to work through that muddiness. And that's where the truth can come out and what that relationship means. And I think men are afraid to even do that sometimes. It's like, can you hold your friend accountable? Can you say, yo, I really need a place to cry and vent right now without them feeling like, oh, this is awkward and blah, blah, blah. And if it is awkward, maybe it's their first time. Are you willing to give them grace to do it again if they're still there? I think it really comes down to willingness to have uncomfortable conversations, willingness to push yourself out there vulnerably with the understanding that this will ultimately help you in the long run. It'll help your mental health. It'll help you be a better person. And then I think another good example would be if you already have friends that you are locked in with, just letting them know that you're a safe space for them, you know, and letting them creating a a place where maybe if they never come to you, that's cool. But just say, hey, look, I'm here. If, If you need to talk about these things, look, dog, I'm here. The first thing is guys have got to get used to doing the work of friendship. We tend to not do that. So I know a guy who's got loads of friends. And I said to him, you know, how do you do it? He said, well, my friends call me the Sherpa, like those Nepalese people that carry everything up the mountain. And they said to me, like, if you weren't organizing everything, we'd never see each other. And I just thought, what a great simple thing. Be the Sherpa in your friendships. And actually, when guys talk to me about this stuff, they're like, that's the thing they go, oh, I can do that. I can send the text. I can organize the get together, right? Someone's got to show leadership. I think also a big thing here is to understand that time is the biggest limit in friendships for men and women. So I call it like the tent peg strategy, which is you've got to build structures in your life that are kind of recurring. So you don't have to reinvent the wheel all the time when you do get time poor and it's not front of your mind. And activities are massive for guys. So for me, five-a-side soccer, fortnightly, I have it in the diary. I organize it. Guys show up. But that helps me when I do forget to text people or to check in. It keeps me going there. And then the third one is expand your toolbox. You know, it's not about completely transforming how you communicate to the guys in your life. But it's about understanding that not every conversation requires the same tool. Sometimes you're going to have to be a bit more vulnerable and go first with that to create that permission to use that word we used earlier and to understand that there's more than one way to skin a cat in a conversation and it's just about having more flexibility and how you relate and connect i think nowadays most men are afraid of losing other men particularly to suicide right and so we're really asking the tough questions like bro are you good And of course, most men would be like, I'm good, but I'm educating men and I speak in a lot of groups on sort of being present to the science. So say, for example, you go out to watch the football game with your boys every Sunday and one Sunday, one of the guys doesn't order anything, right? It has to go besides, bro, you good? Well, I got you too. Everything all right at the house? You know, I noticed the last two Sundays you hadn't you know, picked up the tab, uh, you know, things of that nature, or physically you're doing something. Your skin is breaking out. I see you limping, you know, like really zero in, not nitpicking, but allowing men to say, hey, not only are we here talking trash about sports and girls, but I really see you. 
and I'm concerned that things are not looking well. Is there something we could do for you? So I'm challenging men to get that affectionate with their brothers. He also shared some tips telling me how he supports men and allows them to be more vulnerable and how we, as the women in their lives, can offer support. Ladies, take note. When it comes to men versus women, oftentimes couples approach me and the woman typically says, my man doesn't communicate well. And I say, well, that's relative. He does. You're not creating space where it's actually a conversation. So this whole notion of men not being fluid with this extensive emotional vocabulary has us as a society making these generalizations that men are out of touch. and No, they're fine. I work with men every single day and I ask him, what are you afraid of? And then I shut up and listen to him. I don't fix them. I don't coach them. I ask him, what is that about for you? And I zip it. And 99% of the men whom I'm privileged to work with, Danielle, they hadn't been hurt. Someone who's listening always has an underlying agenda. So I'm listening, but I got these questions. Or why don't you call him? Or you need to seek therapy. Call your brother. Call your mom. Talk to your dad. No one is actually saying, I hear you. I get it. Let me know if I could help you. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> what was that pause for a day? Oh, call me out. Why don't you? <laughs> um, well, get on my business. Um, yeah, that's that's helpful to kind of help us just kind of do a self-check for a second and say, hold mm-hmm. on a second. Do I have a tendency to expect the communication to look a certain way mm-hmm. and then be disappointed that I'm not getting it? Can I open my eyes to the ways where maybe he is trying to and, are, and I'm missing mm-hmm. it? So, so I think that's important. Yes. Uh, one of the things that I think would be helpful is to include your man, your son, your brother, your nephew in some of those spaces where other healthy, progressive men are. And even if they don't move, if there's a level of discomfort, I think just slowly exposing them to different outlets. Because I tell you why. Most men hold on to relationships with other men that they've outgrown. I'm on a text thread with some of my buddies I grew up with since we were 10, 12, 14 years old. And oftentimes the thread is nonsense with joking, but mostly I've outgrown it, you know, but I hold on because of the history. It is up to me to find like-minded men to where I am now and not be afraid of sort of being disloyal to my partners I grew up with and having openness for new men. So I could actually be open to having a best friend whom I've just met six months ago. Mm. It's also validating because a couple of years ago, I remember bringing my husband to something with me, which I normally don't do. And he didn't look too enthused. I know he was just trying to satisfy me. And let me tell you, when we came back, he was so energized. He was so excited. And he was a little vulnerable with me because he said he was like, hey, thank you for you know putting me on to that. Mm-hmm. And it was like a, a really powerful moment for me. If he could connect to one man, then it's a win for the family. I'm about to share with you some resources, articles, and podcasts that I love that can help you continue to do this work. But first, a few words from Tem Andrew. I think men underestimate what wisdom they can bring to each other to help each other solve problems. There's so much to learn just by listening to your friends. There's so much that we could each be bringing to each other that doesn't typically come up in conversation between men. You know, it's usually kept so superficial and fun and friendly. And I mean, there's so much value in that too, but we could be bringing a lot more that we're not and just 
enriching each other's lives in ways that we're not and like getting to know each other better. You know, I think that's Mm -hmm. been one of the incredible benefits of this. Like just in the last three years, these are guys I've known for 30 years, just in the last three years, I've come to feel like they would literally take a bullet for me without question. You know, like I could say the dumbest thing, they'll be around. I could make the worst mistake, they'll be around. It's um, it's just been a deepening of the relationship in a way I never expected. Men step up often in desperate times. And I would actually say friendships that have desperate moments often become the best relationship. I can't tell you the amount of divorced men who are the best friends because they've been through hardship. And when they went through hardship, they realized how little friendships they had. And so they valued them in a whole nother way. And so the next relationship they get into, that person isn't bearing the brunt of all of their vulnerability and tenderness. They're giving that to other men. I've seen what kind of effects friendless men have, and it wasn't registering in the same way as it is now. The mission has just begun. As your new official friendship coach, here's your homework. Listen closely. I want you to visit our website at betterfemalefriendships.com. And I want you to search for one of our most recent articles, which provides articles, resources, podcasts, and links to various resources to help men directly as they work to create and sustain strong community for themselves, along with a few tips for what we as women can do. In the show notes, you'll find a link to this very article so you can go and visit directly. And you can continue to follow along with these tips and resources on Instagram at friendforward. So ladies, let's support the men in our lives as they work to build healthier friendships. And for you, you know that I'll be right here rooting for you always on your journey toward better female friendships. Until next time.